Welcome back to Slam Presents Hoop Ties with Amake K. Smith. I am the one and only. We have a very, very special guest, Akum from Baldwin Stop. How you doing today, man? I'm good, brother. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Where are you located? I'm in Vancouver, Canada. Vancouver, Canada, man. Did you grow yeah. up a, a Toronto Raptors fan? Or you? what are you? So, like, we had the Grizzlies, right? Because uh, yeah. we had the Grizzlies from, like, 95, 96, 97, 98. So, we grew up in that era where... Uh. We, we were introduced to basketball through the Vancouver Grizzlies. And then, you know, by the time we were old enough to really consume it, we couldn't really claim a team. Like the Raptors right, were right. the Raptors were on the other side of the country. You know, we had a hockey rivalry. Then, you know, there was supposed to be a basketball rivalry. So it was kind of awkward. We didn't start claiming the Raptors till that new generation of fans came in. So that's where mm-hmm. for me, for me personally, it was more so just West Coast teams. Like I was always rooting for obviously Kobe and the Lakers, but you know, right, Portland right. and Seattle and then Seattle went away. So that's when really we had to claim the Raptors is when the Sonics went away because we didn't have a team really, you know? Yeah. I mean, at least you, at least you had a team. I'm from St. Louis. So oh, I have shit. no team. <laughs> yeah. I just grew up a, a straight, pure basketball fan. So no team yeah, yeah. really. It was no, just kind of like. You, with me. Are you in New York right now? I'm in Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Dope. In Jersey. Dope. So it was kind of like when I moved out here in Jersey in like 2016, it was like, that was the first time I had like, a team. I kind of gravitated towards the Brooklyn Nets, but still, even then, it's just like when you don't grow up with a team, you just become a fan of the game. You know what I'm saying? Same. Same. So I, I, I want to ask you, like, how did you get your like, what started your love for the game of basketball? Man, I was like, you know, we were second generation Canadians. We were the first gen- well, we were first generation Canadians, actually. So like, our parents came from you know, uh, Punjab, that's in India, and like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they immigrated in Canada, and like, at that time no one really introduced us to the game. Our parents didn't know what it was, so we, we saw it on TV. We saw Vince Carter. You know, we fell in love with um, the game through Michael Jordan, the aftermath of Michael Jordan. You know, uh, I'm 29. So, yeah. you know, I was like, we were obviously in the Jordan era, but like we didn't witness it like that. We had to study it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in that late early 2000s uh, boom of basketball, just coverage and just seeing Vince Carter on TV, you know, feeling the grit Steve Francis had left us. So like, that's when I got into the game. And, you know, for me, it was more so about playing it. Um, I played basketball yeah. my whole life, you know, from a young age. I, you know, we were, I was a f- six years old. You know, I remember we went to Canadian Tire, got a hoop because my neighbors used to play basketball. I wanted to play. And uh, from there on out, I was just working on my game every single day. You know, I remember I was six, seven years old, you know, just trying to like set random targets. Like I'm going to hit 200 shots today from in front of the hoop. And like, you know, in those little moments, uh, I became kind of like a, a lover of the game, but also I wanted to become really good at the game. And uh, right. that's when I started really studying the greats, you know, reading Slam Magazine, mm-hmm. uh, you know, reading uh, Sports Illustrated and, and, and really consuming the game as much as possible and just soaking it up, trying to learn everything I could. And it started at a young age, man, for me. It started at a really young age. Up here in Canada, we have a lot of like Sikhs and a lot of the Indian guys, a lot of Punjabi guys, like they really gravitated towards basketball, especially where I live. Um, that became kind of like our sport. And, uh, you know, I just, I was like, eat, sleep, live, breathe the game. No, that's, that's real. I mean, that's, that's kind of scary a little bit. That's a similar story to me. Um, growing up in St. Louis, Missouri, like basically I played on the street. I couldn't afford to, my mom was a, you know, stay at home mom and my dad worked in construction. So I couldn't really afford to do AAU balls, you know what I'm saying? Because of that night. And even Mm -hmm. as a youth, it was just kind of like me playing on the streets and stuff like that. It wasn't until like in high school, where I played like on a team for the first time and I was blessed enough to go to a division three college. And ever since then, it was just kind of like just found the game, 
you know, breathe, sleep, live basketball and things of that nature. But I want to really get into it. Um, you know, enough, enough background stories. <laughs> um, you know, we're in the playoffs right now, but I really want to talk to you and ask you, like, how do you feel about the state of the game? Like, where's the state of the game at right now? Because everybody's happy, enjoying the playoffs. But I feel like overall, though, it's just like I was just waiting to get to the playoffs because the regular season the past few years hasn't been, you know, what we grew up accustomed to seeing for us. Like, guys just playing hard, competitive matchups, head-to-head matchups matter and stuff like that. So where do you feel like the state of the game is heading or right now in general? I mean, exactly what you feel like, man. Like, you know, the regular season for me, even just covering the game and obviously, you know, still loving the game, but it hasn't been as entertaining for me anymore. You know, I don't, the regular season doesn't move me no more, man. And, and right. a lot of that is because of the way it's played. A lot of it I speak on all the time is the analytics influence has spaced the game out to the point where, you know, we're watching pickup basketball, you know, at times in the regular season and uh, guys aren't being challenged. You see numbers are inflated more than ever. Stats are more inflated than ever. And, uh, you know, you're seeing guys just being able to all world talents that the NBA was supposed to be the greatest challenge for the best basketball players in the world. Right. You were supposed to be. That's the stage where guys that are the most elite in their craft get tested to the you know, final level. And uh, I felt like that that got eliminated when the the preaching of space and pace and threes and layups came into play. It was like a glitch. You hijacked you, you kind of hacked, you know, NBA basketball. Yeah. Obviously, if you stretch the floor and put five guys that can shoot the three on the court, yeah, you're going to hit more points. You're going to probably get more highlights. You're probably going to get higher scores. And, you know, there's going to be more of a, of a, a social media uh, conversation around the game just because of the numbers that come with that, just because of the highlights that come with that, just because of the, uh, you know, historical scoring nights that come with that. But what that did is it took away the grit. It took away the toughness. It took away the the degree of difficulty, I feel like, from NBA basketball because, you know, we used to watch it, especially like guys like us and, and the era before us even more so. It's like, you know, the NBA has become kind of watered down in the regular season now looking at it. Um, you know, for us, it was like a gift and a curse. We saw some great basketball, but yeah. it almost has like, you know, we, we see through what we're what witnessing, you know, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, in the regular season, we could kind of see through it. And for these new fans, younger fans, you know, the game moves regardless whether without our generation, but like, they're looking at this and it's like, you know, they're thinking this is it, but you know, we know what's happening here. So I was just dying for the playoffs to start, man. And, uh, yeah, you know, exactly. I, I'm, I'm glad all the good teams got in and, uh, you know, now we're watching real basketball all of a sudden and you're seeing guys right away, their efficiency drops They're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're, they're we're having to work harder for points. You know, we're not seeing 45 point explosions every other night. And, uh, you know, it, it, this is what the regular season used to be. What you're witnessing yeah. now is what yeah. the regular season used to be every night in the NBA dating back mm-hmm. even eight years, 10 years, 12, 15 years. The degree of difficulty you see a guy like De'Aaron Fox have to go through now, the, the things that you see uh, even a Katie or a Devin Booker or uh, Kawhi Leonard have to go through now, like this was the every single night of the NBA at one point. So it had us locked in year round where it's like for me now, obviously I love the game and I consume it and I have an eye for the game so I could pick up easily on what's happening. But my real consumption of the game starts pretty much right now, man. Right. No, I, I definitely feel that. And it's crazy because, you know, we talk about analytics a lot. But what analytics started to be a good thing, I feel like with social media and with like the coverage of the game, it kind of turned into a nightmare because even in college with me, that's when I first got kind of got introduced to analytics. We were using analytics to work on our games. A lot of people don't know that. It was kind of like 
I'm shooting on the left side of the basketball court from the season like 30%. How can I work on my game to improve that statistically? But now it's like analytics, everybody talks about the VORP and this and that. It's like, it's the way it's coverage because there's a whole bunch of guys that kind of got into the, the game of basketball that really never played. And now all that consumption of analytics and of the stats and of the inflated numbers like you talked about, it kind of is like watered down the league. So I, I definitely agree. Um, but what would you say, what are some ways you think that hypothetically the period of game can get really back into the game of basketball? You're saying like the regular season? Like the Yeah, like the regular season. Because right now, you, as you said, basically the 50s are new 40, the 40s are new 30 right now in the regular yeah. season. Yeah. But what do you think like if things can go back a little, back, little bit back to like the 2000s era a little bit, what do you think that the NBA should do to make it where the regular season is more of exciting and not this, yeah, like so this, this is AAU style this is, ball? Yeah, yeah. So this is deep because like this influence of analytics is now the league. Like we could complain yeah. about it all we want, but the front offices run on analytics. So yeah. there's guys in the front office that dictate how a team's going to play based on equations, based on formulas, based on like an algorithm. And then what that's done is it's – uh you know, there's no, I don't think there's coming back from that now. And then just the fact right. that that's there, it's going to be there always. So you almost mm -hmm. have to counter it with rules that would, you know, probably be bring back a little bit of physicality because they're letting them play through it now, right? They're letting them play mm -hmm. through it as we speak in the playoffs. And you're seeing it, what it does is it wears down guards. It wears down the ball handler. It makes it a little bit more yeah. challenging to get into your set. It makes it a little more challenging to break a man down in isolation. Uh, also, you know, what's happened is the court tightens when you allow that to happen. When you can kind of hand check a guy, I'm not saying scrap him like you did in the nineties, but I'm saying like, yeah. put your, put your forearm on him a little bit, you know, guide yeah. them a little bit. What that does is it, it tightens everything because now you're not just free flowing, roaming around the freedom of movement rule would have to get taken away. That's what we've seen now mm -hmm. in the season. It's like, there's a freedom of movement. You touch a guy and it's a foul. So guys can't even really put their hand on anyone. Um, and, you know, just that, first of all, I also think like if you really want to go back, shh, they might have to visit, you know, what is three in the key? Should we make it five in the key? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it sounds funny, but like, you know, at least because then you're always going to have a big man in the at the rim, you know, so you always got to think of think twice. Um, you know, it, it just little things like that. And I think the shot clock as well, like, um, you know, I think maybe maybe adjusting the shot clock, like things like that, that could. It's tricky, though, because the preaching of threes and layups and space and pace isn't going away, especially in the yeah. regular season. It's getting guys paid. It's getting guys jobs. That is the game now. And, and that's the direction the world's going. But, you know, how do you counter that from a basketball standpoint? It's going to have to be rule changes. It's going to have to be bringing back some physicality, making it a little more harder, making it making scores work a little bit more for their baskets, you know? No, I, I definitely agree. It, it'd be interesting. I'm. Would you say that probably... I feel like in the early 2000s um, and then even in the 90s, I feel like every team had their own identity. And right yeah. now, like you said, it's pace and space right now, threes and layups. But do you feel like, and even, you know, the, the league is a copycat league. Do you feel like if a team necessarily like goes big, goes back to like maybe traditional bigs or to playing two bigs and stuff like that, and yeah. maybe start seeing that team become dominant, do you think maybe that's a possibly a way yeah. for... You know, I thought, I thought, remember the Pelicans with Davis and Boogie? I thought... Yeah, that, I thought yeah. they had a chance to do something. Like I thought had they beat the Warriors that year, mm -hmm. um, somehow it would have been tough, but they had the pieces to do something where it was yeah. like if they got deep and that's where the game ran through, um, you know, it would have been something. I also think Joel Embiid has a situation now 
if the Sixers mm-hmm. were to become a dynasty somehow, you'd yeah. now have to bring in bruisers and bigs that can bang with Joel Embiid down low on the block. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would probably change things in the conference. But look, the game is slowing down in the in the playoffs. The game is slow. Yeah, definitely. The Sacramento Kings refuse to slow down, but everyone else is slowing down. I'm seeing from the most part, right? And I think the yeah. if the lake, if depending on if the Grizzlies or the Lakers, whoever comes out, I think. You know, it'll be interesting to see if someone can slow the Kings down. Can someone slow this yeah. Kings offense down? The Warriors yeah. aren't tailor-made to slow them down. If anything, they enable them to go faster, play to their strengths. But, you know, I think, uh, uh, like you said, to answer your question, you know, I think things like that could happen, like where a big man runs down. I mean, shit, uh, you know, with the Lakers in 2020, they were kind of like that too, you know, when they won with Anthony yeah. Davis and, and yeah. LeBron because those guys were playing down low out of the block as well, you know, so... No. If you really think about it, though, the teams that are winning, you know, you got last year, obviously, Curry just went off and he broke that. But before that, Giannis, you know, he was playing bully ball on the block. Uh, before that, LeBron and Davis, there, there was a lot of bully ball on the block there. You know, you had before that, uh, 2019, Kawhi Leonard and, and the Raptors were playing a very traditional basketball game. You know, they had their own identity. They were playing in the mid-range. Mar- uh, Marcus Saul was in the low block, um, you know, and, and I feel like it's there, but it's just like, how many teams are really gunning for a championship? That's the real question, right? That is that is the real question. That's definitely because, you know, these days GMs are basically in the front office. They're, they're basically accountants. You know, these guys are just figuring out ways how to, like, <laughs> over the, the salary cap. How can we That's save it. money? So, you know, the game is not – you got about six teams probably compete for a championship. That's the um, thing. But, <laughs> but we talked about the uh, – you brought up the Kings for a second. Talk to me about what's going on against the Golden State Warriors and kind of like just the current playoffs. Like, are you – like, who do you feel like has a chance to go really far in the playoffs this upcoming year? Yeah, man, this has been interesting, you know, and that this is the this era of basketball we're entering now is really cool because a lot of parity. We can't really predict who's going to make it out. My yeah. picks, my picks right now are, you know, I think, you know, if I had to pick right now, I think Phoenix will grind out and and it'll be tough. But I think if they're healthy, they should get to the finals. I think they're going to meet Boston there. I think those are the two teams we're going to see there in the finals. Um, you know, I do think the Sixers have a chance to shock someone. Um, but, you know, as far as the Kings go, man, like, they've, uh, in that Warriors series, you've seen, you're seeing a younger version of the Warriors, a more athletic version of the younger Warriors coming at you, you know, and the dubs don't have a way to slow them down because, A, they don't have anyone that could control the glass. They don't have anyone that could prevent them from getting out and running. You know, they don't have anyone that can uh, yeah. anchor anchor their defense and and prevent nah. easy layups and things like that. So the Kings are having a field day. They're getting whatever they want. And, you know, the dubs are just like an older version of that. And you could just see it in their legs and their body language. They're fatigued. You know, Andrew Wiggins just came into the playoffs. He looked mm-hmm. fatigued last game because it's all of a yeah. sudden, you know, you're running Track up and me. down with this juggernaut. And... Mm-hmm. Curry as well, like I'm seeing Curry, a lot of his shit is rushed. He's looking a little bit, you know, almost at times frazzled by this because it's like, okay, here we are. We're sprinting up and down. Now I got to launch a three from 30 feet with a guy in my grill. It's a very, very taxing brand of basketball to defend, you know, and and I think the Warriors, I thought the Warriors are going to win the series. You know, I st- they're still my pick, but um, it's tough, man. It's tough. No, I, I definitely think it's tough. I think what's going on with the Golden State Warriors is, like you said, the speed and the pace that the Kings are playing right now is crazy to, to say, but maybe too much for the Golden State Warriors. And the Golden State Warriors, historically, they kind of play with speed. But I think if the Warriors want to come back and win this series, I think they got to slow things down. Like, what are the Warriors good at? Half court passing the ball. Like, they're one of the, always been one of the best passing teams 
you know, that's why it became a dynasty. But now it's just like you're playing the fast space with the Kings and you don't really have any perimeter defenders. It's yeah. just like that's a recipe for a disaster. But you talked about the Phoenix Suns a little bit. Uh, you said they're your pick to go to the finals. I'm not mad at it. The only concern I have with the Phoenix Suns is their depth. I'm looking at some of the minutes that these guys are playing. And we know Kevin Durant has been, to me, I think he's still, if not the best basketball player in the world, top three. But it's kind of like injuries. With the amount of minutes they're playing right now and the lack of depth do they have, why do you feel like they can go to the finals? Yeah, so, you know, I feel like you're right. You know, the depth is the issue, but I also feel like they haven't tapped into it. Um, there's Damian Lee, there's TJ Warren, there's, you know, campaigns hurt right now. There's, um, you know, they have guys, they just really more so Terrence Ross, like I, for some reason, you know, those guys aren't seeing the floor as much as I think they could. And I think they could contribute if they are out there. Right. Um, this team was made on the fly. This team was made on, um, you know, like the, we're witnessing now this team really get into who they are. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's probably harder for Monty Williams to, to uh, put those guys in right away and get them familiar with each other, right? They don't really have a continuity yet. Uh, the main focus was how do we maximize Kevin Durant in this system? And I think they're doing it because they're bringing him off the ball. They're they're making ways for him. They're finding ways for him to contribute on the fly, uh, not just contribute, dominate on the fly with Devin Booker, you know, and and maximize that one-two punch because at the end of the day, superstars are the ones that win you chips, right? So they're yeah. focused on their meat and potatoes, you know, and I think that right there is a lethal combo. I saw Booker last night, you know, he went for four, damn near four, 38 or 40. And, no. uh, you know, Durant was still, you know, he's still putting it all together. You could tell that he's getting his timing and his legs back. Mm-hmm. Uh, just their dynamic of they can go from isolation ball to ball movement, drive kick to motion offense. Then they could come back the next set down and it's a pick and roll with Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. So they got a very, very dynamic mix and that becomes very hard to defend, especially when you're already conditioned as a team now to uh, guard, just drive, kick and threes and layups, right? You're you're all of a sudden now having to deal with a real squad that's kicking, that's killing you with so many different recipes. When your legs are fatigued, when you're, you know, when your body is tired and mentally you're just beat up, they're coming at you with a few different weapons. And this is still with Kevin Durant catching a stride. I just think when that starting unit with Chris Paul, Aiton, Durant, and Booker do hit a stride together um, and they do tap into who they're supposed to be, it's going to be very, very draining to defend. And they're going to be able to blow some teams out in key key games. Uh, their depth is obviously an issue. But look, man, I think I like this because no team is perfect, right? The championships right. weren't ever meant to be won on perfection. You know, obviously certain teams have done that over these last 10 years. But, you know, this is the challenge that they have. Can you overcome that, right? So that there's a beauty in that as a fan to see that, like, okay, is this starting five going to really get it done, right? No, I definitely agree. And it's interesting because, like you said, Kevin Durant is still getting his reps in. He's getting his, his flow back from coming off his injury. But I feel like with Devin Booker, like Devin Booker, people talk about, oh, Devin Booker is the second option. I don't look at Devin Booker as the second option. Devin Booker is the number one. They got two number ones with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. And I, feel like with Devin, and I feel like with Devin Booker right now, it's just like until Kevin Durant gets up to speed, I like Devin Booker just like having that mentality like, yo, this is still my team. You know, I can lead us until – Kevin Durant gets, you know, his rhythm, stuff like that. And then we really can go. 
then it really can get very, very scary. Um, yeah, like Devin, bro, Devin Booker. Could, see, the casuals find this hard to believe because they're so conditioned to just base everything on resumes and accolades and career yeah. numbers and status in the league. Well, no shit. Kevin Durant's, you know, arguably a top 10 player of all time. He's going to yeah. have that resume. He's going to, by default, look at the as his team, you know, look at this as his team. But this is Devin Booker's show, too, you know, and this is a guy yeah. that could win finals MVP. Devin Booker. If you go into finals and, and KD's drawing doubles and the game plan divert changes, like, yo, he could he could fuck around and win the finals MVP. There's no, you know, in today's game where guys are where teams are scoring 130, there's no first, second option when you get elite guys like this. It's 1A, 1B. Yeah. It's whoever has it, whatever direction the game goes, whatever the defense forces you to take, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean... We saw Devin Booker go back to back forty points in the finals. So I don't. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. I really don't understand why people feel like it's a you know he's a second option right. um, because Kevin Durant is the name. It's just like with yeah. the Golden State Warriors, they had Kevin Durant, they had Stephen Curry. You know, they both co led the finals. Kevin Durant was the best player, but it was yeah. still like one A, one B. It didn't really matter. Same thing. That's uh, every every elite team, bro. Every elite team had that combo: Kobe, Shaq. Braun, you know, Braun with a Kyrie and Braun with AD, same dynamic, right? Like yeah, yeah. We, we just see him go, right? At the end of the day, who holds up the finals MVP trophy is irrelevant. It's a, the defense ain't thinking about, oh my God, he's the first option. We're not going to worry about the second option. Like, you know, like that's, that's not how basketball's played. It's a team game. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I want, before we get into this next segment, I want to talk a little bit about ring culture. I feel like, what do you feel like, why has ring culture kind of been so toxic and kind of, kind of, you know, contribute to all the narratives, all the conversation and all the kind of like nonsense that we see, especially from like the, the mainstream media, you know, it's like guys like me, you know, we're independent. So it's just like the, the people that get paid the big bucks to talk of basketball and stuff like that, ring coach, ring coach, ring coach, but they can't really explain to you what's going on in the basketball game. They really can't tell you about the feel of the game. They can't tell you about the flow of the game. So yeah. Yeah. You know, I think ring culture is, uh, it's gone too far. It's gotten nasty. Like, Ring culture started with like the coverage around LeBron, right? Because when he was yeah, young, definitely. When he was young, and you know, you know what's crazy? I was talking to a player the other week, right? And uh, I was like, he's an older player. I was like, dude, you guys didn't even give a shit about rings like that. Like, there was three guys really trying to win rings in your era. It was Kobe, it was Duncan, it was probably like, you know, Garnett, and those guys were obviously gunning for it. But like, the emphasis wasn't on rings. You didn't turn on the TV and hear about Iverson needs to win a ring or it's the death of his legacy, or you know. Vince Carter or Tracy McGrady got to win a ring or it's the death of their legacy. You didn't hear that shit. Of course, it was like, you know, it was held against them in moments. Maybe you'd hear it twice yeah. a year, but it wasn't yeah. the topic of conversation every single day. You know, yeah. this started when mainstream hoops media blew up. Obviously, you had the first takes, um, you know, with Skip and, and, and Stephen A. And it, LeBron became a target of that because, like, he was always measured up to Michael Jordan, right? He had to go win yeah. six. It was just a storyline. And then... You know, it was cool and all. It got taken to an extreme now, right? Here we are in 2023. And, you know, LeBron had to, again, there was probably pressure on LeBron at that time too. Like, you know, if this is, because that time media still had credibility, I feel like, you know, where it was like, they want me to win rings. Okay, I got to go win rings. You know, yeah. before before we entered this clickbait, you know, age of like, you know, coverage, it was like media actually had that value where if someone critiqued you, you took it seriously, you know, right. um, and LeBron made that move to Miami and from there on out, it was always just like, oh, this doesn't count or that doesn't count. Like it just became messy. And now we're in this era now where it's like that on steroids, on steroids yeah. times a thousand. So mm -hmm. it's toxic. It's stupid. It doesn't, yeah. 
have shit to do with an individual's ability. There's been, I shit, my eye test tells me Iverson's one of the 10 coldest hoopers I've ever seen in my life. Now, he don't have a ring. Does that discredit him? No, he's no, still one of the know. coldest 10 guys to ever step on a court. And you yeah. could go ask his peers and the guys that he played against how scary it was to guard him. I guarantee you it was scarier than certain guys that want chips. I guarantee you it was scarier than, you know, um, guarding guys at his position that won multiple chips. You know, so obviously it's a team game and the goal is to win championships. But if you're not in a position to consistently win them, you ain't going to win them. And, you know, yeah, yes. I feel like the game... <laughs> The game, the game became individualized, right? It's a team game. You would, the way the game is being spoken on, you sound, it sounds like individuals win rings. No, they don't. The NBA is not a one-on-one tournament. It's 12 moving pieces on a team, a front office that's intact, that knows what they're doing, that's motivated to win. And realistically speaking, there's only real five or six teams like that in the league. So going into the season, man, there's really like check the box. How many really have a chance to go win a chip? Yeah. I mean, five, six, maybe. So that's it. Yeah. This, Ring culture shit is stupid. You know, of course, chances <laughs> matter when you talk about the absolute upper echelon. They do matter. They matter the most. But there's got to be context. No, I, I agree because his team situation is everything. Like, you look at Damian Lillard. Dame, yeah. <laughs> everybody wants Dame to leave. I think Dame, Dame should leave, of course. But, like, to go get a ring, I mean, it's just like he's never really been in a position. If you really, if be honest, has Dame really been in a position to win a nah, championship? he hasn't, bro. He hasn't. <laughs> so it's just like, like the whole, the whole, the whole conflict of like, okay, well, Dame should go join a super team. Dame should go do this. He should do that. I, I can understand it, but at the same time, as a guy that grew up with a franchise, if you really never been in a position to win a championship, but you're on a franchise where it's your team, it's your city, you are that guy. That means more to, to some players than just saying like, "Yo, I want to go win a ring and join join a super team and stuff like that." Because right. even if you do, even if you do that, like look at look at Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, I feel like he went to the Golden State Warriors because the conversation was around like, "Yo," he said, "Of course, I, I like the way they played," but he also knew like, "Yo, I need to win a ring because everybody's talking about rings." And then when it got rings, and now it's just like they're saying his rings don't count. Right. It's just toxic, right? And it's like no. everything, every championship we've seen won in the last five years. And it's because like stupidity on social media, kids behind burners and AVs. just troll. Player AVs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Troll and, and player yeah. AV culture. Like they're going to discredit anything and anything can just get viral and get taken out of context mm -hmm. and cling with the player. So we're in an unhealthy age of coverage, man. It's kind of stupid. It's dumbed the game down even more. But like, you know, guy wins. Okay, it doesn't count. You know, like how many rings in the last five years haven't counted? It feels like they've discredited everything. Yeah, definitely. Um, what I want to do now, Akum, is basically, we know in the regular season when we talk about the game of basketball and how, you know, your top 10 lists and all these things to that. But we know in the postseason, some of those guys that people put on the upper echelon, we talk about the best player in the world, or this guy's top three, top four, top five. Yeah, yeah. It's probably about eight, nine, ten guys that you probably really go to war with in the playoffs over these same guys that's putting up these crazy numbers and stats. So I don't know if you want to do this like a – I want to know like who are the top ten guys you want to go to war with and you pick a player, I pick a player, okay. or do you want to do it like this? Maybe we pick the top ten guys to go to war with and then maybe we pick one of each from the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, and then – Maybe like the future, like who we feel like two guys in the future that you want to go to war with the most. It's up to you. I like I like the first one where you pick one, I pick one. 
Okay, that, that's fine. Are we, so, are we talking? Are we talking active or are we talking all time? No, we we talking. That's what I'm saying. We're talking. Um, it's up to you. We can do active. We can do all time. You, let's do you active. Let's do active. Let's let's do active. Okay, definitely. Um, so the first guy I want to know, like who you know, playoff start is is here right now. Who's the first guy that you want to go to war with to lead your team to a championship? Yeah, I don't. So I you, don't know. If, I don't know if he's the first guy, but like off top okay. of my head. One of the first guys, if I were to go into this situation, would probably be Jimmy Butler. Yeah, okay. Talk about it. Just a dog. When the game slows <laughs> yeah. down, when the game slows down, he can hit you with the mid-range. He can score the ball. He can defend your best player. Uh, he's going to hustle. He's going to ignite your defense. He's going to ignite your offense. He's going to ignite you as a team mentally and get you locked in. When you watch Jimmy Butler, if you're his teammate, you got to be inspired to play hard. Uh, yeah. You know, he could play through contact. He could play through physicality. He could go in the post. He could go around the rim. And also on top of that, he could make shots. You saw him last year go off for 48 in a game, and it was just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, you know, his scoring touch has improved a lot. So, but I mean, the guy is just a fighter. You know, you go into a dog fight. If Jimmy Butler's on your side, you're excited. Yeah. I'm, I'm not mad at that. I mean, look at what he did in the NBA Finals 2020. Yeah. Damn near triple-double. was trying to yeah. wield the Miami Heat against the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. Um, a guy I would pick is a guy that – is getting his first taste of postseason basketball since 2021 is Kawhi Leonard, three-level mm -hmm. scorer. Another guy that's uh, I feel like doesn't care about the regular season, doesn't care about the, the all-NBA selection. This guy wants to win championships. He wants to compete. He wants to play hard. Um, Always. A, ma a magician at the second level of the basketball court. And also he can defend. We see him right now when he's, he's defending Kevin Durant. He's making it hard for him. So that's my first pick. Who's your second? Man, I mean, after that, I'd probably go... <sighs> LeBron, obviously, because he's just so seasoned. Why not? You know, right. I think we're going to witness that right now. He's going to hit a stride, and he's just going to tap into LeBron James. And it's like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, LeBron and KD, they got to be in this because the seasoned, right? They're seasoned vets. They're yep. champions. They've been in. They've done that. They've seen dynasties. They've defended dynasties. They've gone up against Hall of Famers. They've gone up against the Tim Duncans and the Kobe Bryants and, in playoff series. And they've gone up against, you know, the Dirk Nowitzkis and some of the most veteran teams lebron went up against the pistons lebron's seen it all done it all so you have to go with lebron because i'm still if you're an opponent like the memphis grizzlies probably are right now they're scared in a seven game series when shit slows down all that yeah. regular season talk goes out the door you're still yeah. dealing with lebron james whether he's 38 or not um you know coming at you for seven games mm -hmm. scary stuff yeah, I'm not mad at it. i mean gotta gotta pay homage to the the, the legends you know we got the last we talk about mj we talk about Kobe, of course, you know, it's LeBron and it's Kevin Durant and Curry. Like these guys are on their way out, but they're still so dangerous. And that's, you know, yeah. number two for me would be Kevin Durant, of course. I feel like the most portable player probably of all time, in my opinion. Like you yeah. drop Kevin Durant off in any offense, any system, I think he's going to dominate. I think he's going to um, make any an era. Yeah, any era. Um, so I feel like Kevin Durant would, was 55, what was it, 55, 49, your first player ever do that. People want to talk about, oh, he didn't play games. There's a lot of players ain't playing games. So it really don't matter. You know, a pure score. And got to go with KD. Give me yeah. another one. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Giannis just because his motor, his aggression, how hard he plays, how he defends. You know, when he's on the court, your team's guaranteed to get deep. Um, mm -hmm. the, mem the Milwaukee Bucks have gone deep repeatedly, but they don't. He doesn't have that co. I mean, no disrespect to Drew, but he doesn't have that co megastar by his side. He mm -hmm. has. He has co-all-stars in, in Middleton and Drew, but he don't have that Anthony Davis or Devin Booker or mm -hmm. Paul George or Kyrie or 
you know, a guy like that by his side. And, and I think that speaks volumes on it because he's just always able to will you there because of his motor. And he, you know, let's see, he needs to get back, right? Like the Bucks ain't going to get out of the series if he don't get back. So yeah. him for what sure, man. No, he's a tank. I mean, he's a, a dual four, a guy that does everything on the basketball court. Um, I think he's improving. I know you always talk about skill set and things of that, that nature, but, you know, availability is the best ability, but also, like, production. Like, we may not like the way he gets his, his points. Oh, he his, gets his, it, though. But he, oh, he gets it. <laughs> he gets it. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, shit, what, what can you really say, you know? 45 um, and 15, what do you say? Yeah, I can't, really, <laughs> can't really say anything. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not mad at that. Um, I'm not mad at that. Uh, next one I'll probably say Stephen Curry. Um, I think he's going to have to be phenomenal. I think he's going to have to be amazing uh, to, to get the Golden State Warriors to win this series. I'm, I mean, he's revolutionized the game. He's changed the game forever. He's kind of one of the reasons why we talk about <laughs> threes and layups. You know, this analytic boom is, is a little bit yeah. because of Steph, but that still doesn't take away from his greatness and take away from his impact. And also what he did last year um, against the Boston Celtics. I mean, that was phenomenal. That was special. They were down 2-1. He basically said, wow. you know, get the ball wow. to me. I'm, I'm going to put, put you on my back. I'm going to take you out to the promised land. So, Wait, we have to mention uh we have to mention Stephen Curry. Uh give me another one. How many are we at? Are we at six? Yeah, we had three we had six, so, so we got two more apiece. And we got we got seven, eight. Yeah, two more, more pieces. Right? Two, yeah, two, two more picks each. Two more picks each. It's tough because like, you get down to the needing greedy. Now we got the we got the guys that most people don't, especially Kawhi and like Jimmy Butler. Um no. we got to the legends. Now it's now it's getting down to like who you got. You know, I'm, I'm going to say Dame Lillard, but the, the problem with this is, is that I haven't got a chance to see him on that stage, but I know what he'd bring. You know, I'll never forget game five of the, the 2020. He's not in the playoffs this year, but I'll never forget yeah, game five of the 2021 Nuggets series. You know, like you took at that, you look at that Dame Lillard, the shots he was making in that 55 point mm -hmm. game. You look at Damian Lillard on his greatest nights in the playoffs, even the game one against the Lakers. And it's an absolute nightmare. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a problem to guard and he just has that willpower and that aggression where it's like you put him on the court with anyone that's on his caliber. I don't see how he wouldn't go to the finals. I don't see how Dame Lillard wouldn't make yeah. the NBA finals with a KD by his side, a LeBron by his side, AD by his side, a Giannis by his side. We haven't got yeah. to see him rock out on that stage, but his game, his mentality, his will, the way I've seen it, we've seen him kind of knock on the door. We've seen him have historical playoff games. Yeah. You know, but I would love to see him get in that situation this summer, man. And then we could really see what it's about. I know Dame Lillard on those lights, he ain't going to fold. He's going to put up some of his best performances. I mean, he's a rare breed. We talk about four-level scorer, a guy that can basically, as soon as he comes past half court, he can let it fly. Other than Stephen Curry and Trey Young on some nights, it's not too many guys with that type of range. So I, I definitely feel that. Mm -hmm. Another guy I'm going to say um, for my number fourth one is a guy that he came out this year, he kind of said, that like, yo, I know I can't win a championship being the number one option. But I felt like his whole career, like, he proved that he could win a championship, maybe not right now, but, like, his whole career, he kind of proved that. And that's Paul George. I think Paul George is – I had T-Mac on an old podcast. We were talking about it, I think, and he even agreed. I basically said Paul George has the greatest handle <laughs> from a small forward position, a, the three has ever seen in this league, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah," and that's T Mac, you know. So that's the respect that Paul George commands. I mean, I feel yeah. like he took the you know people don't talk about it, but he took the Los Angeles Clippers to their first ever yeah. Western Conference Finals appearance, you know. And mm -hmm. then we know what he did against Prom 
LeBron James as well. So in the three conference finals, you're right. And and yeah, you know, people don't people don't like certain guys, bro. Like it's just like they don't people don't like them as much. Like the way the internet presents them, yeah, they're hated on, and it's like you almost dismiss like real facts. And it's like you're right, bro. Like he's <laughs> he's been to three conference finals, he's been up against series against LeBron Wade, where he held his own. He's been in series against you know, some of the best players to ever play the game, and he's held his own. So I could yeah. see that. You know, he's had bad series too. Of course. Um, Everybody has though. You can talk to any you can, low, right? any there's probably any any player historically, even if you rank them in the, the top three, top five, whatever, I can go back and look at LeBron James having a bad series. Yeah, all the these NBA guys finals. we just named have Kobe. had a bad series. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> other than probably the goal, you know, Michael Jordan, that's probably yeah. the only guy I can't really say, like, yo, shit. Michael really yeah. had a bad series in the highest level for us, like the finals or anything. But yeah. uh, I'm not mad at it. You want last one. So you're like you're saying go to war, you know, coming to war means availability. You're always going to be there. Uh, you're yeah. going to play through fatigue. You're going to play through fouls. You're going to play through adversity. You're going to play through no help. You're going to play with help. When you say that, man, who I got? I had Katie. I know I had Giannis, LeBron. LeBron. I had who's my first Day, guy? Day, yeah, you had Giannis, LeBron, you had Dame, you had Jimmy Butler. Yeah, Jimmy Butler. So I need another guard, man. That's how I'm gonna do it. I'm yeah. gonna go. I'm gonna go Donovan Mitchell. You know, I think, <sighs> yeah, Donovan Mitchell, man. From the moment yeah. that he's coming to the league, I felt like that was a championship level player. I got mm-hmm. the feeling I got watched Donovan Mitchell is the same feeling I had when I watched the young D Wade, and it was yeah. felt like you know this is a guy that you could just he's gonna will you there eventually. He has championship attributes. He has championship pedigree, and he hasn't won yet, obviously, but he has that winner's mentality, and he has that chip on his shoulder. He's always going to bring it. Like, I can't go in a game, and and I'm I'm thinking Donovan Mitchell ain't going to bring it. Like, he might miss shots. He might have a bad shooting night, but he will not stop attacking, and I love that about him, and I think that's what makes him great. I think Donovan Mitchell, you know, is similar to kind of like an Iverson in that fact where he's never going to stop shooting, never going to stop attacking, never going to stop forcing the issue, and I think that's very, very hard to defend, and I think he's done an incredible job on his body, and he's so conditioned to the fact that he could keep that going. He could keep that keep that motor running year-round and in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, he's a playoff riser. This is a guy that came in as a rookie with the best player as a rookie on the Utah Jazz, led him to the playoffs each and every yeah. year. And still, people were sitting up saying that Rudy Gobert was the best player on a team. <laughs> <laughs> on a t- it's, it's crazy because I don't think we um I don't think we have no no bigs. That's that's crazy on the list. And I want to say a big, but I'm not. <laughs> because I'm a guy that I looks at I look at the game, it's just like if if somebody has to kind of like get you the ball, I'm always going to roll with the guy that can kind of create their own offense and create their own Same. shots also create, and create for others. So it's <laughs> not going to be no bigs on the list. Um, a player I'm going to pick is, you know, still young, 25 years old, who's went to his first finals last year. I feel like this guy has the potential to be maybe the best player in the, in the world someday. That's Jason Tatum. I think he's a three-level scorer, a guy that can guard one through four in the basketball court, and a guy that, you know, we saw him last year. Other than Jimmy Butler, you can make the case – that he had the best postseason run. We know what Steph Curry did in the finals, but overall postseason run, we talk about first round, second round, third round, and we know what happened in the finals. But like, he was very special. He's very phenomenal. He's he's super talented. So man, that um, dude is out of the world, bro. He's he's got the tools that some of the greatest rare, players rare, of all time have ever had. Rare man. tools, rare tools. Yeah. And now he's gaining the experience, so it's gonna get scary, right? Like when he's. Imagine when he's in year seven, eight, and he's already been this many conference finals. He's going to yeah. end up so seasoned and just so 
unafraid of the moment. Like he's bound to win a chip. Yeah, he's he's tough. Uh, last last couple questions. I got two more questions, and then we're gonna, I'm gonna let you get out of here, um, Akum. Everybody knows you talk about pure hoopers and, and this and that nature. So I, it, I have to ask you, like, yeah, yeah. who are your your top three pure hoopers of all time? And you can even explain yeah. the definition for some people to some fans that may not know what a pure hooper is. You know, I know, but like, explain yeah. to them what a, a a true pure hooper is. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm. A, can I give you six guys? Because I'm. A, I'm gonna separate the two. Okay, because That's fine. a pure hooper, right? Like, there's, there's. At the end of the day, it's a guy that operates on skill. It's a guy that operates on a flow and a rhythm. Um, they're natural basketball players. You could give them a ball fresh out of bed in the morning at 8 a.m., and they're going to go into their bag and cook, and they're going to go into their game and, and give you the absolute best of their ability, you know. And, you know, these are guys that are artists on the court. You know, they operate kind of like a, you know, they, they have a very unique flow to their game. They're probably not the most freakishly athletic they don't have the most physical tools. They're not dominant, imposing, but the way they play the game is through craftsmanship, is through understanding of angles, is through understanding of pace, and also understanding their, you know, inabilities and 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 figuring out their, you know, body type and figuring out little minute details on the court and how to carve up a defense. So when you talk about superstars, and there's another element to a pure hooper. A pure hooper is a guy that you could take him to an NBA Finals. You could take him to a regular season game. You could take him to Rucker Park. You could take him to a FIBA setting. No matter where they are in the world, these are guys that are going to get their, get down to business. They're going to play their game. And you know they may not be the most outstanding statistically. They may not be the most outstanding accolades-wise, but they're really going to cook, and they specialize in hooping, they specialize in basketball. They specialize in individual ISO ability. These are guys that you could take them on a court anywhere. You don't even have to enter the paint, and they're going to give you seven, sixty, sixty, fifty. You know, so yeah. I got the way I do it is like there's NBA, and then there's guys within the NBA that are just like they're not superstars. So that's fine too. Yeah, you can do two, two, and two, whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's like the mega star superior hoopers that have that skill. Kyrie Irving, you know. He's a guy that has that. I don't. I could take Kyrie Irving's NBA jersey off, his patch off, and put him in any jersey in the world, and I could sit, look at that guy right there and say he's a basketball specialist, no matter what court you put him on, because of his True skill, artist. because of his understanding and awareness on the court, little angles, how to kick, kiss it off the glass, how much touch to put on a floater, you know, just uh, you know, how to break down a man. He could do it a million and one ways. So that right there for sure. He out of the superstars is a pure hooper to me. You know, I think uh, the second guy that I see, I don't put Kobe, Michael and and, and KD guys in this. It's the fact that they're mega, mega humans. Yeah, they, 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 they surpass that. It's like you have they surpassed you, that. You, yeah. You have like God, God tier like scores. Like I look at the same way. Like when you, when you reach another level, it's just like, we can't even, even Bron, bro. Even, yeah. Even you LeBron. can't even include them. You can't yeah. even include them. Unfair. Include unfair. It's, it's unfair. Like they, they're they're in a they're Goliaths of the sport. You know they're yeah they're 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 titans of the sport. So like they took their they had their, they 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 went beyond pure hooper. They took their preparation to levels where they became yeah. monsters. Um, mm -hmm. and also they have physical tools. Uh, I would have to go man. Real talk. Like I would probably have to go Curry because yeah. Stephen Curry, the way he plays the game. Like to think about this, a guy took his handle. And shooting ability to the moon to the point where he's one of the greatest 
hoopers that's ever lived. When Steph Curry first came out, it was like that kid at the park, you know, he had the baggy shorts, he was cooking. It looked like a kid playing at the street, you know, having the time of his life and just toying with dudes. And just, he took what Steve Nash had to new heights. He took what all those great point guards had with their handle and shot making to new heights. And I think him for sure, you know, he, he's a pure hooper for sure, bro. Just the flow that he plays the game with the, the handles, the shot making, the, the runners and, he doesn't even have that much physical attributes in terms of explosiveness. Like he's really, yeah. he has to play the game in a very, very strategic awesome. way. Uh, awesome. You know, I think, uh, I want to say Iverson. Iverson comes off the top of my head. Like there's three is tough, but Iverson out of the superstars, that guy was the purest hooper because I feel like he came into games. There's no warm up. There's no preparation. There's no studying the scouting. <laughs> straight hoop. Straight hoop. Just just put That's the ball. Let's, let's tip and it he up. He was yeah. gonna come down, and, and he was not doing one move twice. It was creative as fuck. Every single time down the court, it was a different look. Every single time down the court, it was a different combo. Every single time down the court, he was carving you up a different way. Whether it be forty five degree angle, you know, left to right, bop, jump shot. You know, next possession down, he's at the top of the key, cross you up, finish. I mean, the guy had the street game to the max. The guy brought it to the league. You have to, con- I mean, playing you have a, to include him in this, bro. Play, playing, playing in a, a tough, a tough defensive era too. I think that a lot of yeah. people don't talk about that. Like, yeah, and, man. You know, Iverson, Iverson was a guy like I read once, and someone confirmed this to me later. Like, I interviewed him years later, but he was like, "Yo, bro, I didn't train like that. I didn't, I didn't yeah. prepare like that. I didn't, I didn't put up a thousand shots a day. I just went to the game, driving on the way to the game." I would think this is the move I'm going to use tonight. And I was like, that shit is cold, bro, like, yeah. to do that. Crazy. People may say I'm biased because these are guards, but I would have to include a guy like, I'm, I'm going to add in a fourth for you right there. I'll, I'll probably include a yeah. guy, you named him, Paul George. He has that too, you yeah. know? He has that toolbox too. And it's like, he just plays with that fluidity and it's just so beautiful to watch. So then there's those guys. Those guys are the megastar. They have mass usage in the NBA. There's yeah. other pure hoopers though, bro. Like, there's guys in the league now, but... I mean, I'll give you I'll give you random guys like, you know, not random, but these are guys that you knew when they got on the court. It was their show. They were cooking Jamal Crawford, um, yeah. Lou, Lou Will. Uh, I want to name a guy like Amante Ellis. Like these were guys that were coming out out the gate, you know, fresh off the bench, just so, destroying dudes with their handle. Yeah, cooking. Brandon Jennings. Shit. Brandon Jennings. <laughs> Bro, you can't give me six. I got to keep, keep going on and on. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Shit. I mean, I'm going to break your rule right now. I'll name more, bro. There's guys like Nate Robinson. There's guys like Isaiah Thomas. There's guys like, you know, that just, you know, even came off the bench. And, you know, there was random dudes that people may not recognize no more. But mm-hmm. I remember guys like OJ Mayo, how they could do, they could toy with the defense. You know, I remember guys like even Dion Waiters in moments, you know, and to this day, a guy like Bones Highland, a guy like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Fred Van Vliet, you know, like these are guys that all have that, man. They they play that game. They made the NBA, but they made the NBA on specializing in very little details of basketball, man. So mm-hmm. those are the guys, bro. You can go on and on about this topic with me. No, nah, no, nah, definitely. I mean, I appreciate it. Um, we might have to do a top 50 pure hoopers of all time. Yeah, we we could do definitely do a, another pod, you know, should we get you get you here on the couch. <laughs> I'm with it. Uh, I'm with it. Um, but yeah, I was gonna ask you another question. I think I'm gonna say that for another time, um, because I feel like this question was, you know, talk about Kobe Bryant and stuff like that. But I feel like that's a that's a question that we could get re- really in depth with. Um, but anything you want to say to the Hoop Ties family, I really appreciate you pre- appreciate you coming on and really, you know, just spilling your knowledge, man. It's it's not 
it's not too many times we get guys on here that just want to talk about the love of game of basketball yeah. and just the purity nah, man, of the game. So that's it, man. I feel like the game today is like it's been poisoned in a way with narratives. It's been poisoned with stats. It's been poisoned with so much negativity, man. And I feel like that joy of consuming the game is gone. That's why I always try to, I just try to do my part. You know, a lot of people don't understand, like I don't really have technically an agenda, but I, I don't have, I mean, obviously I like certain guys, you know, but on, yeah. on the court, everyone does, but like more so than anything, I try to appreciate really the essence of the game. And that's what we spoke on today is just like, yeah very things that make basketball what it is man the skills the 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 makeup of a player the makeup of a team the makeup of just the art form man and it's just there's an appreciation to it way beyond the numbers there's an understanding to it way beyond stats and numbers and accolades and all these great narratives that people come up with man the real yeah. real basketball talk i want it to be great you know i want it i want yeah. it to be i want real basketball to be celebrated i want real basketball coverage to be celebrated you know a lot of times now I'm just looking at my phone and saying, this isn't even basketball. Like yeah. I just scroll past, man. And I just got so tired of it, but I try to do my part where it's just, we talking basketball, you know, and we talking deep game. We may not always, may not always agree, but if the yeah. combo's on the right track, then it's fun to have, man. Always. Definitely. Definitely. That's Acre from Ball Don't Stop. I really appreciate you coming on, man. Um, Thank you. Make sure you go. No problem. Make sure you guys go like, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, once again, this is Slam Presents Hoop Ties with the one and only Amaya K. Smith. We're going. Peace. Peace.